What's going on, everybody? This is the Lockdown Red Wings podcast for Tuesday, January 28th. Your team every day. Today is no different. I am your host, Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Nolan Bianchi. We got a bit of a different episode for you guys today. We had a, we, we called up our Pistons compadre here on the Lockdown Network, uh, Lockdown Pistons podcast host Matt Shook, and just a little bit of commiseration. Uh, talked a little bit about kind of what the two franchises are going through, uh, and mainly just kind of discussed right now which franchise or which fan base uh, rather has it worse. So uh, some good discussions with him. Happy to have you guys along. As always, be sure to press that subscribe button before we jump onto this interview. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, so if nothing else, you'll be able to relate to it. I don't know if enjoy the conversation, you know, talking about the uh, bleakness of Detroit sports at the moment is going to cheer you up. But uh, it was a good conversation. We did share some good memories in the mix. So uh, hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Uh, all right. At this time, we welcome on the venerable Matt Shuck. Uh, he is the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, also a sports writer in Detroit, like myself, uh, covering pretty much any team, but mainly the Pistons uh, for the Detroit News and AP. Uh, so very excited to have him on today. We're going to do a little discussion uh, about you know, who's got it worse right now, the Red Wings or the Pistons, because they're both in the cellar. The Pistons have been for kind of a while, but I think that maybe the calamity that's going on in Hockey Town might make the uh, situation as a whole just a little bit worse. So we're going to talk about that. But in the meantime, let's welcome on Matt Shook. Matt, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Nolan. What a depressing discussion that we're about to have here. Yeah, but you know what? I love depressing discussions. I did five of them last week uh, Mm -hmm. to to put onto the airwaves and another one to start the start the week yesterday. That's just called the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Yeah, and uh, we we did the same we did the same thing on Monday's show. I would encourage folks to talk about it. We went Kobe Bryant the whole time. Obviously, the biggest news of the sports world right now. I I got indulgent and shared some of my own personal thoughts on him. I know that Mike Valeni wouldn't appreciate that. He thinks that uh, you know everyone makes everything about themselves, and I agree to some extent. It's just I just listened to that segment of his show, so it's on my mind right now. Right. But uh, it's like. What what are you supposed to do when someone dies in your morning? I'm like, when you get together at a funeral, you like share stories about how they affected you or things you did together. And obviously it's Kobe Bryant. It's not someone we know. I've never met Kobe Bryant. But like, I, I think it's kind of a fitting tribute to talk about what he meant to you and things like that. I, I don't quite understand the backlash. And yes, of course, it's like self-indulgent and maybe some people are doing it for the we- the retweets or something like that but I don't quite understand the backlash where it's like it's making it all about you and it's like well that's kind of a human experience is, is your own experience we can all agree that there's no like hot take about Kobe Bryant that's like uh you know maybe it's not that sad what happened to him or something right like and you know so it's like what are, what are you supposed to do sorry to go on a tangent there no, no. I mean, you're you're definitely good. I think uh, you make a good point there. Whenever somebody comes around who's as special or as great or transcends, you know, sports like Kobe did, I think there's a, there's a definite paradigm shift that comes with following him for so long and, and not just, you know, following him as a basketball player, but his virtues and his, you know, you know, the, the pillars of what made him great were so well-defined that I think it made him somebody that, you know, you can look up to and, and have these tangible 
things that you can say, you know, I may not be a basketball player, but I want to have a good work ethic as Kobe. And, you know, we didn't touch on it necessarily yesterday's show. Uh, I had an intro that I kind of ended up, ended up deleting because uh, this is a hockey Red Wings podcast, but I think, you know, I think you're right. You make a good point that, um, you know, it, it is one of those things where, you kind of have to think about it from your own own perspective. You're right. That is the human experience. So I definitely don't blame you for going on uh, about Kobe for today's show. Um, yeah. No, you know, don't care what the haters say. Yeah. We're going to just go with the rest of the month with it. Every show is just going to be about Kobe Bryant until, uh, until, but maybe we'll go into March for it. I'm kidding <laughs> actually. But uh, yeah, I mean, well, I guess we should transition here from, uh, from death to something a little bit more depressing and that's uh, the Detroit sports scene. So yeah. Oh yeah. Pretty bad, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, things are go- things are going pretty bad right now. A uh, little better for the Pistons right now than the Red Wings. The Red Wings, obviously, uh, last place in the league by a million, a, million a country points. mile. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, I was looking at the standings today, and I realized that if you doubled their point total, they still wouldn't be in the playoffs. Are you serious? Yeah, that is that's even cra- yeah that's a that's a phenomenal stat. Great job there. Yeah, yeah. So little uh little little stat for you to uh just shrink that or you not shrink that but enlarge that that sports depression just a little bit more. Uh, but the Pistons right now seventeen and thirty two games uh, out of eighth place in the East. Tell me what's going on with them. Oh, it's great. Everything's great. I mean, uh, you know, I I went into the weekend and they had the game against Memphis on Friday night and then they had Brooklyn on Saturday night. And if you take care of business against Memphis, I mean, this is, it's, it's a ridiculous conversation and premise to begin with because this season has been so bad, but because the Eastern conference is so bad, there's something to be said for uh, being so close. I mean, they, they have been close to the eighth seed throughout the entire season. Now, is that a noble goal? Is that something that would, you should even be very proud of at this point? Those are up for debate and probably uh, not really that up for debate, actually. But, <laughs> you know, fact of the matter was that going into the weekend, there were two and a half games out. They, I'm sorry, two games out going into the weekend. Lose to Memphis at home. Lose to Brooklyn in overtime. Suddenly, you're three and a half games out. I don't know off the top of my head of whether Brooklyn beat the Knicks last night or not, but they're probably four games back now. And for all intents and purposes, especially looking at their schedule after the All-Star break, one of the toughest in the NBA with some West Coast road trips in there too, uh, it's not looking good. And there's a, you know, it's not impossible. There's certainly a 5 to 15% chance somewhere in there mathematically that they make the playoffs still. But it's looking more remote as time goes on, especially after a tough weekend in Detroit. Now, uh, you know, both teams kind of in a similar position where it, it seems like, you know, the Red Wings are well into a rebuild, but what the, uh, the Pistons, it looks like it might just finally be starting to head in that direction. Now, when we talk about misery and all that's gone on, uh, you might think that the answer is automatically the Pistons because they, you know, for pretty much all of the past decade, uh, made just two playoff appearances, were swept out of both of them. Uh, while the Red Wings did have a little bit of success at the beginning of the decade. But, uh, you know, when we first, when I first proposed this episode to you, Matt, I said, hey, we should do a episode, you know, debating who, which fan base has it worse right now. And I initially was thinking like, okay, I'll take the Red Wings side just because, uh, you know, that's, that's my, that's my beat right now. Uh, and to be natural, natural lane to stay in. But then uh, as I was like researching going on and really just thinking about it, Uh, I think I've full on convinced myself that Red Wings fans definitely have had it worse uh, over the last five to let's say eight years. 
than Pistons fans. But I would love to hear first why you think that Pistons fans have had it worse. I think that the combination of what's happened over the past, like you said, five to eight years, making the playoffs twice, getting swept out of it. This is a team that has not won a playoff game since 2008. A playoff game since 2008. That's that's something. That is a thing right there <laughs> to, uh, to keep in mind as we have this discussion. So, yes, is it true that the Pistons – have had more on-court success than the Red Wings have had uh, on the ice for the past five years or so. Yeah, I would, I'll certainly grant that. But I think that there's something in fandom when not only are you talking about like our, our stats and drop some stats and bring up the records and all that stuff, I think it's also important to think about the hope, right? Because that's the, the, the human experience of being a fan, too, is that you want to not only uh, – have some wins and have some forward the momentum and have some things going in the right direction. But yeah, you can envision a world where this team is at the top of the conference. Cause all you can ask for management and for teams is that they put out a product every year uh, when things are going well, that has a chance to win a championship or is it guaranteed that you're ever going to get one? No. Uh, there have been Red Wings teams in the past that didn't win Stanley Cups that were good enough to win Stanley Cups. I think the Pistons, to a lesser extent, can say some of that. Certainly 2005, when they lost in seven games to the Spurs, would fall into that category. So, yeah, I, I just uh, – I think that the Pistons, like, if you're sitting here going up to the February 6th trade deadline as a Pistons fan, you're, like, wondering still – and, yes, they're, they're talking about rebuilds, but if they don't trade Derrick Rose, if they're not able to find – an Andre Drummond suitor this offseason, and he opts in, like I think he kind of will. Like that's my prediction is that they, they, if they don't find someone for him to take him on this uh, trade deadline, that he's going to opt into $28.8 million next year. Really? Where were you at then? You know, and I know that he, he had talked about opting out and he wants to be a free agent, but I think that you know, as that gets closer, as that decision gets closer, he's going to notice that the market probably isn't what he thought it was based on you know, the very real uh, – factor of teams not really being interested in the deadline at this point so why would they want to give him 25 million a year for four years or whatever it is I think he's going to find that maybe even less than that will be the offers that would be on the table on the open market he'll find out about that before the deadline uh July 1st and make that decision then that's just a prediction I mean who knows what's going to happen but Mm -hmm. so if you go into next season you got Derek Rose and Andre Drummond and yes sir this is a young core that's been more exciting than any other Pistons young core in the past decade but it's not like, I mean, Seku Dumbuye, there's a lot of questions with him. He's not playing well right now. He's 19 years old. Who knows where that's going to go? There's three or four pretty good players otherwise, but these are like nice rotational pieces. To win in the NBA, you need Seku to pan out. You need, uh, you know, Svi or Bruce to unexpectedly become an impact player. I mean, certainly we hope and expect that they become pieces, but we need, you know, the team needs two, three impact starters to join and that's going to be tough to do and if they're not dedicated enough to to pull the trigger and trade Derrick Rose who's been a very good player for them but make that kind of cutthroat tough decision to cut bait and get what you can for them and move on going forward if, if, if they're sitting here deciding those kind of things right now in 2020 after this past decade that's a pretty hopeless feeling for fans to uh to have to think about you know, I, uh, I definitely hear you on that point. And, uh, you know, just on that point of hope, I want to talk about something else. And that for me is uh, expectations. Now, I think expectations uh, are, are what makes this Red Wing situation just a little more, maybe not like, like, I just think it's like sadder. Like, I think it's 
it's one of those things where, you know, they had unprecedented success for two and a half decades. And then, you know, towards the end of that stretch, you start seeing these moves that are happening where guys don't want to come here in free agency anymore. Ken Holland is giving out big money contracts to, to older guys who have been here forever, who don't deserve it. He's, he's extremely loyal to players who, you know, frankly in this league wouldn't get that anywhere else. Uh, and, and just an overall mismanagement from the top down. So, you know, while the Red Wings, yes, their playoff streak did just end uh, in, in 2016. And while, you know, they have had some success at the beginning of the decade, I would say that it, it was never really uh, outside of maybe 2011 and 2012. There was never really a team that while they were in the mix, you thought could contend for a cup. And so when you look at a team uh, that's, that's been so good for so long and, and you think to yourself, man, we really got to pull the trigger on a rebuild soon. We really got to pull the trigger on a rebuild soon. Z's getting older. Pavel's getting older. Cronwell's getting older. All those guys that you paid all that money to are getting older. Meanwhile, you have money tied up in Jonathan Erickson and, you know, a Nicholas Cronwell and, and just frustrating things like that, where you say we could be a good team, but it's been mismanaged so poorly that they're not even going to get the chance. And so when I think you look at that, it's, it's, it's a steady four years of a decline and then we're starting to hit rock bottom. So I think right now, personally, coming from the situation where it was almost a given that the Red Wings were going to make the play or was a given that the Red Wings were going to make the playoffs, that they were going to contend for a cup, to find ourselves in this situation now, I think makes it just a little more frustrating. Yeah, no, I get it. And I get that the last few years before Steve, Steve Eiserman was hired was very frustrating. And also that, like you said, the standings and the record as it is right now with the Red Wings is such an eyesore for such a proud organization that I get what you're saying, that that adds a little bit more salt to the wounds as far as what it's like to be a fan of this team, especially thinking about those good times and now dealing with what fans are dealing with right now. But at least I see a team that is in, and who knows, who knows if they'll ever get there with this group or even any pieces from this group, but at least with Steve Eiserman, you're kind of showing the dedication that you're willing to do what it takes that you have a vision and a direction for some time down the road to go back to deep runs in the playoffs and things like that. And again, it might take longer than we even think as we sit here right now, 2020, because maybe, maybe the beginnings of the Ken Holland rebuild, maybe some of these young pieces that we have a lot of hopes for here in Detroit that are, you know, the, the first couple lines of players and throw uh, Heronic in there as well, that, that maybe some of those guys can work out. Maybe they won't at all. Like maybe Steve Eiserman sees like they might have to start a mini rebuild off of this bad rebuild at this point. Like they might, mm. like you said, this might be the beginning of rock bottom right. where it could be two or three years of rock bottom before it starts going in the right direction. But at least you can say to yourself, God willing, six, seven years from now, maybe this will be a team. Whereas the Pistons, it's like at some point, if they keep trying to ride this middle and maybe get up to the sixth seed at some point in a couple of years, is that really something to be that excited about? I would rather kind of go a little bit more backwards before you can have some meaningful steps forward after that. 
Oh, for sure. And and I definitely get what you're saying about hope, because if there is one thing that the Red Wings do have right now, it is hope. Uh, and obviously that is only something that came about because, with the arrival uh, of Steve Eiserman. But I do think that is a good point that, yeah, for the first time, it feels like, you know, in a long time, it feels like we're in capable hands. Because like I mentioned, you know, those last five, you know, five, 10 years of the Ken Holland rebuild or Ken Holland era in Detroit, it was okay. Well, you know, he hasn't had the best couple of off seasons, but he's a cup winning GM. So let's see if he figures it out. And then he just never did. And so I think that a lot of the anger like towards the state of the team right now, it can kind of be spin zone to be like, Oh, well that was like, that was almost a completely different Red Wings team. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that, that uh, I agree with you and uh, hopefully, you know, you can, believe in what Steve Eiserman does not every move is going to be perfect there's going to be some swings and misses along the way but I think like I said the proven track record of doing it in Tampa relatively recently as opposed to Ken Holland who his success in Detroit was under a different system in the NHL was under a different time when Detroit was the most attractive place to be for hopeful NHL players but that being said uh, to maybe give listeners a little bit of hope for both franchises. I think that while, you know, there's the pictures of Pistons games from a couple years ago of the first year at Little Caesars Arena where the crowds were pathetic and they're still not great most nights, although there's some good nights sprinkled in there. The Red Wings, by and large, do a little bit better than the Pistons as far as keeping the fan base happy. I think that you recognize that whenever one of these teams or if you could throw the Lions and the Tigers into this mix as well, if any team really legitimately gets it going at some point, fans are going to jump right back on there. And it's going to be as fun as it ever was in the late 90s and, and throughout the first decade of the 2000s for all the teams that were having this success, except for the Lions, of course. But um, I think that uh, we can kind of be hopeful, and, and I'm not guaranteeing anything or that it's going to happen anytime soon because all the teams are in kind of a, a dark place right now. But it, when it does happen, and it will happen, could be a long time, it'll be a good time. Now, uh, you know, you could also argue, I think, that the uniqueness of the the Pistons, because, like, the thing is about this is, like, <clears throat> both of these this team's declines, like, came after, like, incredible runs, like the best runs in organizational history. The Pistons made six straight Eastern Conference Finals. The Red Wings won, uh, what was it, four Cups in 12 years. But I wonder what the, you know, the fact that the Pistons only won winning one championship in that time did to uh, a fan base in terms of like, you know, getting them invested again. Do you have a, do you see that, you know, you have a problem with, with Pistons fans getting in, reinvested in this team after being just straight up mediocre for so long? Yeah. I, I kind of think that that this town, as far as a sports town, and this is going to sound like derisive at first, but it's kind of a bandwagon town, right? I mean, it's not, I don't think Michigan is a basketball state, I think, if anything, it's a football state as far as the, the way that the Lions are kind of adored and, and, and loved by everyone regardless. Hockey, I think that's kind of a, a – po- I mean, it's a large fan base of hockey fans, obviously. But I think that there's a lot of hockey fans who might not be basketball fans and vice versa. So uh, I do think that, uh, like I said, whenever, it's not, the Palace sold out year after year, game after game after game. And that was just because it was a really good team. And it was a fun thing to spend your, your entertainment dollar on. So I think that that's, that's pretty much what it will be. And people will take pride in the fact that there's a winning team, regardless of the, the sport or the team or, or really even the, the identity of it. Of course, you know, uh, best case scenario is you, you figure out a way to find another defensive team 
that that works hard that that could be the next great Pistons team uh, if that's the way it's done obviously the NBA is a little bit different now than it was back in those days and a defensive player isn't uh, the big strong muscular guy like Ben Wallace in the past it's a little bit different of a game now so yeah maybe you can create something in that image but yeah I do think that uh, fans will be ready to come back uh, and, and yeah maybe you might not have a huge crossover of Wings and Pistons fans uh, just because of the nature of the sports but uh, I think that uh, by and large, enough of the general public will be back. The, the LCA will be rocking someday. The Pistons had those two playoff games against the Bucks last year. And I know we laugh about that because they got <laughs> drilled in that series, no doubt about it. But I was at both those games, and it was a really fun atmosphere. That was the first time in that arena that I've been to something where it was like, wow, this is fun, and it's loud, and there's a lot of people who are having a fun time here on a Saturday night. So th- those times can happen and uh, hopefully they'll be happening more and more often in the next couple decades. Now, something interesting uh, that you kind of touched on earlier about a sense of direction, and this is kind of one of the last things we're going to touch on, mm-hmm. but uh, I've been asked a couple times, you know, recently just in private conversations with friends or, you know, something like that, you know, which team out of these four do you have the most faith in? And I think right now I would argue that the Pistons are – and maybe the best spot out of any team in the city because they have a, a ton of young pieces. Uh, they have a, a piece in Seku who could end up being like a massive, massive hit. You know, he could, uh, you know, we don't want to make too many, you know, speculations. It's, he's only 19 and stuff like that. And, you know, though I don't spend much time uh, watching the Pistons as much as I might watch the Red Wings, I do feel that they've positioned themselves to, you know, make a decision on the future without handcuffing themselves in the present and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to maybe patronize the the listeners a little bit, but I would argue that it's the Red Wings just because of Steve Eisman's track record and proven management. And uh, the fact that, you know, someday uh, Detroit has proven itself to be like a free agent destination. You can attract players to come here and play for the Red Wings in front of this fan base. Detroit, you know, even when the Pistons were rolling, it was kind of just getting players off the scrap heap a little bit. Not to say that you could never get a free agent. Are you here to play are you calling Pistons. Antonio McDice a player off the scrap heap? <laughs> Sorry, Antonio, my fault, big fella. But uh, the so yeah, I think. Dude, that, did you have you ever heard the story? I don't know if this is true or not, but uh-huh. that Antonio McDice was so crushed after they lost Game Seven against the Spurs that he just got in his car and drove home in his full uniform. Is that true? I, I did. I did not know that. <laughs> I, I think I've heard variations <laughs> of that story, and uh, I'll choose to believe it. Why not? Right? Oh man, that's nice funny. Man. Um, good times, but, uh, I don't remember exactly what I was saying, to be honest. Oh, oh, that's, uh, the question is, okay. So you got the Tigers and the Red Wings, right? Completely at the bottom. At least you have a Red Wings team that you should rightfully have a little bit of faith in management of, obviously they have the, both the same owner and that's a little bit shaky too, because we don't know uh, the, the new version of the Illich family, especially Christopher Illich, like what that's all about. We've all heard some bad stories and some reasons to be concerned about that, but, uh, the Pistons don't have any proven ownership either. Ed Stefanski's kind of proven himself to be a middle-of-the-road general manager, I would say, in the NBA. Uh, you got some young, talented pieces in the front office like Malik Rose and Pat Garrity, a couple former players there. Not much of an analytics department to speak of, which isn't, isn't a very good sign. But, yeah, there's you, you can believe in that if you want. You could talk yourself into it. Tigers, I don't think anyone much believes in Alavila at this point. And then uh, the Lions are the Lions, so – you'd be a fool to think that this team would ever be any good. But there, not that being said, that there could be some chances for some one-off 
decent seasons because it's the NFL and that's how the league is kind of built at this point. But I, I would mm-hmm. just think that the trust in management, the trust in Steve Eiserman, and the trust in, here we go, the process is something that uh, you can have some real faith in. Now, Matt, I don't want to uh, end this episode on too much of a depressing note. So uh, let's, let's bring some levity to the situation sure. real quick. And now you've been a Pistons fan for a long, long time. What is your old, best yes. memory as a – no, like you're what, 25, 26? Something like that. Throw another um, decade on there and a little bit more. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, what is your favorite memory as a Pistons fan? My favorite memory as a Pistons fan? That's a great question. Uh, so, I mean, obviously standing out is uh, the clinching of the titles, all three of them. I've, I'm old enough to where I remember all three of the championships and where I was when those things happened. I was in a bar in downtown Royal Oak watching – in 04 good times um let's see best memory i was i was in my living room okay i was psyched because it wasn't a school night mm-hmm. and uh my pa- i was yeah i was like eight so i was just thrilled that i was allowed to stay up after 10 o'clock that was the best part about like the teams making the playoffs is i was able to have a later bedtime to stay up and watch the games uh-huh i and uh i had to get up the next morning and intern at wdfm with jamie and brady so i had to get up at like 4 30 in the morning <laughs> oh, no. i don't think i slept like i think i just pulled an all-nighter <laughs> right and, uh, good times good times were had but here's a, here's one that is like a personal little memory that isn't remarkable in any way but just kind of a funny cool thing that happened one of my friends one of my best friends sean he has always been able to get good tickets to like his dad's work and his work. And I'm actually going to walk over to the Pistons game here in an hour or so and go sit courtside for the Pistons Cavs tonight with him. But uh, so he, we get those opportunities. And one time at the palace, this is flip Saunders era, kind of the, the Pat post Larry Brown, still a good team, Rip Hamilton, uh, Chauncey, Tayshaun, they're all there still. And they're playing the Trailblazers, and we ended up getting the seats that were the four seats in between press row and the bench. So mm. we were actually in the second row of those. So the folding chairs, but the second row of those. But you, like, I was at the end of the aisle, and you could literally just like beat. You were literally in the timeouts, basically. Yeah. So they were playing against the Trailblazers, a nothing game in February or whatever, and it went down to the wire. And it was pretty cool because we got to see the play that was drawn up for Rip Hamilton to get a baseline or to get an elbow jumper. He ends up missing oh, wow. it. But it was just kind of cool to like be a part of the huddle, basically. Know the play that was coming. Watch it all transpire right in front of your faces because they're playing, shooting at the basket right in front of us. I just thought that was like a really pretty cool experience. So uh, I, I should have ran onto the court and knocked down the shot, though, for him. Was <laughs> right, exactly. The only problem about that. I mean, yeah, I don't think his jumper is nearly as wet as yours. So mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. shouldn't have even been taking that shot in the first place. Should have called in a, a, a sub. Hindsight's 2020, though, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, you make a good point about, and, and that kind of, you know, adds to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, is that sports are uh, a personal experience as a fan. Uh, right now, it's not very good in Detroit for any team. Uh, but one day, like you mentioned, it will be. Uh, I think there's just, a, at this point, a lot of apathy, which is kind of a relief, to be frank, uh, <laughs> to, you know, care less about the losing and just focus on the future. So, it's funny that, you know, we both kind of say that the other team, I think, uh, has a, a brighter future. And I'm not just saying that because of the fact that I did I did think that, you know, Red Wings fans have it works right now. I really do think the Pistons have a bright future. And I think the Red Wings do too. So, you know, hopefully it gets back to a point where, uh, you know, it's, you know, June or May and, and 
playoffs are going on and, and they got to do those montages where, you know, they're, they're changing over the court for game two of the Eastern conference final to mm-hmm. the ice for game one of the Eastern conference final with the Red Wings, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, Definitely better days are up ahead simply because they can't get much worse. Uh, but in the meantime, where can people find you to follow the Pistons? Yeah, so if you're listening to Lockdown Red Wings, it's just like uh, over there for Lockdown Pistons. You can find me on social media, Matt at underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. We go every day, five days a week. And like I said, February 6th is the trade deadline. It's uh, even a bigger deal in the NBA than the NHL because the commodities uh, seem to be – uh, and, and the way you manage your assets, and maybe this is an, an uneducated opinion, but it seems to be even more important than hockey, where maybe it's more of a development of players with the minor league system and all that stuff. So it's a really big deal for a rebuilding or whatever the Pistons are right now team to maximize their assets. So we're going to have a big focus these next uh, 10 days or so about the moves that they make, the moves that they don't make, and the moves that they should make. And uh, it's an important time for Pistons fans and uh, the listenership of Lockdown Pistons reflects that. And uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to an exciting couple weeks. Excellent. Well, thanks Matt uh, for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and it was uh, great commiserating with you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for your time.